Hey guys, just a quick reminder that while we're going to be releasing episodes uh, weekly per usual, a lot of the guests that we'll be releasing episodes for, um, their restaurants or wineries or breweries or distilleries or whatever it is, um, might not be open uh, to their normal capacity right now. You know, a lot of places uh, in Austin, they have a a stay-at-home order until May 1st, and so a lot of the restaurants are just straight up closed until May 1st and, and maybe beyond, beyond, so we'll see. Um, a lot of them are doing curbside and things like that. So when you listen to the episode, if you want to support these places, feel free to go onto their websites. Um, I, I usually have before we even release the episode, and most of them have some sort of disclaimer telling what their situation uh, is you know, depending on the spot. So a lot of them, you can still do curbside. A lot of them are doing online orders and things like that. Um, so if you want to go support these places or any of the other businesses, uh, in the archives, I, 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 you know, I urge you to do that. I think that's a good thing for our part. Shotgun is offering free delivery on any coffee orders, uh, within the San Antonio city limits. So if you order a bag of coffee or two bags of coffee, you want to join our weekly or monthly subscription service, or if you want to order a five pound bag of a uh, whole bean, freshly roasted coffee, uh, just put in the code S A T X coffee at checkout. Uh, it's on the top of our website and you'll get free delivery with that order. So, um, we've been doing that for about a month now and, and we've been, I've been doing several a day. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We'll be getting uh, some new copies in this week, uh, and we'll be releasing some new fun things. I know we've already given away some Seriously Chocolate Bars. That was actually a, a guest on the podcast a few weeks back. Uh, we've given away some 11 by 17 prints with you know certain orders uh, just for fun. So if you haven't signed up for our email, sign up for that stuff. Get on our Instagram. Uh, we'll be doing something with Casa Chocolates, which is a bean-to-bar chocolate maker here in San Antonio this week. And like I said, we'll be getting a new uh, uh, Burundi coffee in too. Uh, that should be really good. So uh, yeah, support the places on the podcast and uh, enjoy the episode. Thanks. Building Something Out of Nothing is brought to you by Lift Fund. For over 25 years, Lift Fund has backed entrepreneurs who build something out of nothing by providing responsive insights and small business capital when others aren't able to. If you need help launching your passion into a reality, visit liftfund.com today. Building Something Out of Nothing is brought to you by Geekdom. Geekdom is the largest co-working space in the city with the focus of building downtown San Antonio one startup at a time. Visit geekdom.com today to schedule a free tour. What's up, guys? This is Eddie Laughlin, co-founder of Shotgun House Coffee Roasters, and you're listening to Building Something Out of Nothing, a small business podcast right here in San Antonio. Today's guest is Chef Bryce Gilmore, chef and owner of Austin Favorites, Barley Swine, Odd Duck, and the Sour Duck Market. We sit down at Odd Duck in Austin and chat about his culinary background and growing up around food, the origins of Austin's food truck scene and how he started the famed Odd Duck trailer, initial success and the subsequent openings of Barley Swine and Odd Duck, being nominated for seven James Beard Awards and the impact that has on his team, and what's on the horizon for Chef Gilmore and his growing restaurant group. Enjoy. Yeah, Larry and Guy, um, and even Paul Fleming, I think, were, was involved. So right. Paul Fleming has Flemings and Fleming's, BF Shanks yeah. and all that. But they all started uh, Cite House, like in the, this was like 89. Okay. Or something like that, 90, somewhere around there. My dad came in as the chef, like, maybe a year after they opened or something. Okay. And uh, so he, he helped them expand to the 
however many stores they ended up opening. How 15, many did they end up having? Because we used to come here. It was in the teens. Okay. There were like yeah. there were you know there were two here and then well three here I guess at one point and then. What was the main one? Over uh, on the, the first one was the Sixth Street. That's where we would yeah, yeah. go when I was yeah. a kid. I remember that. And I worked there when I was in high school. I actually started working at the Arboretum one when I was 14. My yeah. dad would drive me up there in the summers. What kind and of I'd, stuff would you do? I just, just worked bus boy during lunch, it's you know, a couple work. days a week. And, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, well, as soon as I could drive, I started working at 6th Street and just work like a couple shifts after school and on the weekends and stuff. Running, were you, running were you food into it? and were you into like boy. the culinary stuff and uh, the restaurant at, at that point I just I just kind of had this like uh, itch to have a job yeah. you know I liked the, the idea of like earning my own money you That's know cool. and having responsibility um, so I felt like a grown up you know <laughs> was it one of those things that your dad um, was like you're doing this no no no, no absolutely not no cool. I wanted to do it um, and then uh, yeah so that was high school like and then Towards the end of high school, I started kind of getting in the kitchen a little bit and uh, ended up spending that year after high school in the kitchen and just really fell in love with it. So it became more than just a job at that point. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do in high school. I didn't really have an ambition to go to college. I didn't, I, I, I was really into architecture and I took an architecture class in high school and I started thinking to myself, I don't want to sit in front of a computer yeah. At a desk all day. So you know, like, I like, like a lot the of, a lot of creatives. And I like the idea of creating yeah. something, you know, and like um, I've been fortunate enough. I've been a big, big part of designing the restaurants that we have now. And, yeah, it's awesome. You know, being able to spend the time to like draw it on paper and then see it um, be built is pretty awesome. It's very satisfying. Cool. We have done the same. But thing. like, you think of you think of cooking like you're creating stuff every day and you're it's like instant gratification. Like someone oh, eats it, uh, they love it, right? Yeah. So. That's that appealed to me a lot more. Um, I loved the. Uh, sorry, we're just jumping right into it. Uh, I loved the uh, yeah. the atmosphere, the kitchen, the energy, uh, the camaraderie you get, the teamwork. I love um, it, man. You know, because you know, playing sports as a kid, you kind of have that same mentality, like rah rah, we're a team, we're gonna kick some ass today. Um, yeah. It's the same thing in a kitchen. You know, yeah. we all working for each other, um, trying to do the best you can, and. Uh, you know, I love that, and, uh, and and just creating something with your hands every day, and then just falling in love with like what flavors are and how um, how many senses are affected by food is so incredible. Many, yeah. So yeah, it's that's like, really true. you know, whether it's whether you want to argue whether food is an art form or not, it's it's there's not a lot of of uh, you know things out there that that appeal to all the senses like Completely. food and cooking yeah. does, right? So. It's just, it's just, there's, just, there was just so much to learn, and like I was so intrigued by everything. And you kind of caught the bug. So I definitely caught once the bug. Once you started doing yeah. that. Yeah, but I, you know, honestly, when I was, when I was just bust, busting tables and running food, I, I had no interest in getting in the restaurant business. I didn't know what I was going to do. But you didn't know was, what you wanted. Yeah, I didn't know. What were, you, were your parents pushing you in one direction? No, or were they no, not really. Like, my, yeah. my parents have always been super supportive. Like I've had a lot of interest over the years, and you know, as a kid, and, and they supported everything I wanted to do, and uh, you know, I think. I think that's great. I think I, I hope to do that with my kids someday, and just um, you know, want you know, support everything, and then want, something's going to stick, you know. And that was cooking for me. Was I think it's was cool it, to so. encourage your kids to try the things that they want to try, and some things might not work, and then something will eventually, like you said, and, stick. you know. To be honest, it was quite the opposite with my father. You know, as soon as I started really getting into it, he instead of like 
try to dissuade you almost? making me making me do it he, he he was trying to convince me to or I think I, I would look at it as like he just wanted me to make sure that it was what I wanted definitely and not put too much effort into it and then realize later that it was just like, the hours and the work wasn't yeah. going to be what, what I, I wanted so when you're younger you can like romanticize something and someone like your father exactly. has been doing it for 20-30 exactly. years it's like dude and, I you mean, really want to get into the grind of this yeah and you know, you don't know like you know, as a young kid, I, you know, as soon as I start, started to fall in love with cooking, I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I had this entrepreneurial spirit. I wanted to like, so I wanted to have my own that. restaurant someday. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, <laughs> you don't know what what that means. No. When you're 20 years old, you, know, you, know you gotta what I mean? figure it out, man. You don't know what what all comes with owning a restaurant and no. the things that you're actually gonna have to deal with. It's not just all fun and games and getting the. No. Getting to be the boss is great, but like it's also not great sometimes. But that's like I always, whenever um, I talk to anybody, if somebody got into coffee for a certain reason because they yeah. love coffee or food because they love food, but then they become the owner, seventy-five yeah. percent of what you do has nothing to do with food, yeah. or has nothing to do with coffee or yeah. like whatever it is. You have to really, and then you learn those things. Yeah, you figure it out. Uh, did you learn from your, you know, because your dad was doing Zitejas, head executive chef there for like twenty years, yeah. and then wasn't he getting dissuaded or you know? Uh, didn't really like the fact that it was almost becoming too corporate, so he left and kind of created Jack Allen's Kitchen to do more like sustainable farm-to-table type. Yeah, I mean, thing. you'd have to you'd have you to really talk to him about why the reasons why he left. He was with that company for I think it was 25 years, if I'm not mistaken, but 20 to 25, and he he just he gave it so much, and he he was really the heart and soul of that place. Yeah, um, and. Uh, you know, a lot of people respected him, and that's another reason why I really wanted to get into this is because I saw the uh, amount of respect that that's people cool. had for my father, and you know, working working with these. I didn't work with my dad very closely, right. very much, other than like the opportunities I had to open a couple of stores that were in other cities. The year after I graduated high school, I got to travel around with him and, cool. and help train people and stuff. So that was a really cool experience, and you know, I got to work closely with my dad at that point, but. Prior to that, it was just kind of like he was just—he would travel around so much to all the other Zitejas's that I mean, he was on the road most of the most of the weeks, you know. Yeah. So when he was in town, he'd just bounce around the restaurant. So I'd see him for a little bit here and there, but I never got to like work really close to him. But you saw so, people like, like revered. But him. I saw, but I, but I heard stories, and I heard like. And that's cool. You know, and I just saw the admiration for him, no matter how afraid of them they were, you know, like they respected him because he worked his butt off and he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And, um, so you respected it. And you so I, res- wanted so that I wanted, I wanted that, I wanted to, I wanted to feel that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, cool. um, so that was a, that was a part of why, why I stuck with it. And, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to, to think about those, those times and like, just, yeah, I, I caught the bug for sure. So after high school, you said you worked for about a year in the kitchen and stuff at, at C. Tejas, but then you went off to California? Yeah. Uh, um, California Culinary Academy in San Francisco? Yeah, what it was, was... that experience like? Yeah, just, you know, I... I, 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 I think it was soon after I started cooking in senior year or after that that I realized that culinary school was probably a good like direction. That was, that was the way to go, um, yeah. So we visited a couple and... Um, I think why I liked the California Culinary Academy is because it was in the heart of San Francisco, and a lot of the schools that we visited were kind of like more out, 
you know, like CIA is not in New York City. It's it's a little bit outside. It's, it's like north, right? And then like yeah. uh, New England Culinary Institute was was another uh, top school at the time. But again, it's it's, it's I can't remember where it is. Or not, but um, did you visit those? Um, no, we we uh, actually went to like a Johnson and Wales up there. But um, as soon as we went to San Francisco, I was like, wow, this is really really yeah, different right. and That's new so let's 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 give this a try and I, I i wanted to be able to work in restaurants while going to school so that made it a lot easier to to do that um in that city and um it was just such a eye-opener for me being born and raised in austin and oh yeah going there living in the tenderloin as a 19 year old that's crazy is that where kid. the uh yeah what neighborhood is the is that's the that's where all the fun stuff happens oh, yeah. <laughs> um so you, you know your mom walking through just uh you know, a lot of a lot of crackheads and um, you know hookers and all that stuff. You know, just yeah. kind of every day so going walking walking to school up. at six in the morning. Yeah, having to see that it was it was like it was kind of fun. It was like yeah, different. Yeah, that would be you know? fun. Be exciting. Um, and uh, it's like wow, okay, this is another part of the world that I I'm not used to. But also then like all the cultures and cuisines that are in San Francisco. Um, oh, it would be amazing. Just opened yeah. my eyes so much to everything. So. It just kind of further uh, fueled my my uh, my love for the industry and, and food. Did you feel like you um, feel like I've talked to several chefs that were kind of maybe misfits in high school or something? I couldn't really find the thing that they fit into, and then they got to culinary school and they were like, "Oh, okay, this is this is it. I feel comfortable here." Did, or were you kind of that way, or did it take a no, little? No, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I just you know I had a lot of interests. Um, in high school and I tried a couple things and it's just uh, you know I was I tried music playing guitar I tried theater football uh, you know different different other art forms uh, you know I was kind of dabbling in a little bit of everything and just um, yeah I wasn't quite sure okay you know what uh, I mean there was a point I thought I might just 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 go to Colorado and be a ski lift operator for cool. a couple years. <laughs> I, I had some friends do that. That's cool. You know, I didn't know I, um, until I until I got in the kitchen, and then it, it really became very obvious okay. what, what direction I wanted cool. to go. So. so you did that after graduation. So you had a few years after graduation where you did several things. You came back to Austin. Uh, you worked at a restaurant called Wink, which that is now defunct, but I remember. So I moved to Austin in 2010. Um, and Wink, that was kind of when you were probably working. Is Wink way. not open anymore? I are they not? Pretty sure they're still. Are open. they still open? Yeah. Okay. Well, I remember. Unless they closed in the last couple well, of weeks. No, no, then they might be open. <laughs> I just remember. Zoot is no longer. Maybe that's what so it is. So Zoot is the those guys. Uh, they had uh, Zoot to begin with, and then they opened Wink, and then I think they moved Zoot. Okay, you know that might and be then, what it uh, is. And that and that now is, is gone. So I think just. So you Wink came, got the opportunity to work at Wink. You worked at Moonshine, which is obviously kind of like an Austin institution. Well, that's so that's Larry Perdido, and okay. and uh, they he's the founder of Hot Body. Cool. They knew my dad from working with him uh, back in the day, and uh, they opened a uh, restaurant called Moonshine, like right right when I was finishing up culinary school. And, okay. Um, you know, I was just, like thinking about coming back home for a little bit. I didn't really know where I wanted to live, um, but you know, I, it's hard to stay away from Austin for too long. So, right. Um, I just figured I'd you know be cool to be a part of this kind of new restaurant. So yeah, I ended up staying there for like a year. I think I worked full-time there for a year and then ended up doing part-time there so I could work at Wink also um, the year after that. And what were you doing that. at these places? I mean, were you cooking? Yeah, just working the line. Okay. Yeah. And grill, was Moonshine grill what mostly. it is now? Just like packed, jam-packed, busy? Were these busy restaurants? Uh, Moonshine was big, big and busy. Um, yeah. They had like a big um, 
you know, banquet area. Um, I mean, I remember, I think George Bush's daughter had a birthday okay. party there so one was, time. Yeah, and, it was a big you know, deal. I remember for the longest uh, time, it was like the most, yeah. like, hip, trendy restaurant yeah. to go to in Austin. Uh-huh. Um, around what year was this? Uh, this was in 2004. Okay. So 2004, so about five years before Odd Duck and all that. Yeah, I worked in Moonshine and Wink and... I ended up. I ended up actually even working a couple shifts at Ziteos again, like running food during lunch just okay. to make some extra money. So just from yeah. So there was a point where I was working three jobs. So you're just um, doing all stuff, yeah. Um, Which and, is good. Uh, I feel like. Yeah. No, I was. Just, I mean, I. You know, I think most of my childhood, my dad had multiple jobs. You know, before. Oh, definitely. Before so you getting were just the, raised that way. You the, just the, like yeah. The main, the big, big chef job at Z, but. So this is like your hustle years. I mean, I guess you've been in the hustle years for 15 years. But, but these are like the early hustle years. Yeah, it's when just you like, I mean, you know, yeah. it's like you or, sleep, yeah. sleep when you're dead kind of mentality. Um, but, uh, you know, it was fun. Uh, just got, 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 to, got to see a bunch of different stuff. And then, uh, yeah, and then I think I um, was trying to decide if I wanted to stay in Austin or not. I think my wife and I... My wife now, we weren't married at the time, but we okay. went to Europe for like a, a month or so. And, That's cool. And, you know, because I had this, I was considering maybe going out there for a little bit. So you thought about um, leaving the States. Okay. Um, and we just traveled around. I was like, okay, I think that satisfies my, my urge to right. at least see Europe, you know. Came back and just trying to figure out if I wanted to stay in Austin. Ended up uh, finding this restaurant in Marble Falls called yeah. Cafe 909. And uh, at the time, they were like the top, in the top five restaurants of Austin even oh, though they're an hour outside of sure. it so I checked it out you know it was small small space um, I really liked what the chef was doing Mark Schmidt at the time and you know it was kind of kind of cool because he I, I learned a lot from him it was very it was more uh, I would call him one of my mentors for sure because cool. I stayed there for two years and um, Were you working just picked his brain about everything you know and, and uh, so I ended up being his right hand guy I guess that's um, cool you know, I mean, there's only three people in the kitchen, three or four people, so. Okay. Um, like fine dining type thing? Fine dining. Um, you know, we changed the menu seasonally, and yeah, I, I, I got to um, learn a lot from him. He had a lot of experience and That's sweet. knew a lot of stuff. How long were you there? About a year? Two years. Two. Okay, so you were two years there. Yeah. Were, you, were you just uh, driving the every first, day? I think the first year when I, I think it was like when we got back from, See, there's one. There's part of it where I was actually living out at my parents' lake house. Yeah. Okay, so you were kind of already. And then, uh, so staying out there, and then like ended up moving into an apartment with my wife here. So there was a a year of that where I was driving in an hour each way. Yeah, it's a commute. Um, So that was um, that was not fun, but. But then you did that, so you got some really great experience there working Mm -hmm. under a cool chef, and then. You went back out to San Francisco? Yeah, my so it was an interesting thing. My wife got accepted to med school in Lubbock. Hey, and at that point, I mean, there's just no, I, I was just like, I'm not going to go to Lubbock. Um, no. So I just figured, okay, I'm, this is a good <laughs> opportunity for me to get back out there again. So, yeah, I went, went out to San Francisco. Uh, Mark Schmidt, my chef at 909, he had a contact at Boulevard. The chef de cuisine there had worked for him before, so I stodged there and really, really liked it. Um, so I ended up taking a job there, worked there for a year, and then uh, just wanted to keep keep moving on. And I had it in my head that Aspen was like a kind of a, had been a point of interest for me of 
a place to check out. Is it like um, a food destination? Place? It is. I mean, there okay. were there were always like good restaurants there, and um, you know, I thought it'd be cool to live in the mountains for a little bit. Yes. Um, so. Was it? It was. It was. Uh, I'm. I'm glad I was only there for the time I was. I think that um, I just. I, it, you're a little secluded, you know. Yeah. Kind of like on that. an island in the mountains. There, we can't really. There's a lot to do, but there's also like. You're, you're stuck, kind of by you know, yourself, yeah. So I ran across, just found uh, the chef Ryan Hardy, and he, you know, he'd been nominated for James Beard Awards. He was a partner in a farm, so it was really, it was that was something that direction that I wanted to go. You know, okay. the farm, the farmer table movement, and uh, you know, being out in California, it's 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 pretty easy, and you don't even think about it out there. It's just kind of is what it is out there. Right. But. Um, you know, were they doing a lot of that in Texas at the time? Kind of I mean, I mean, like you said, Wink was really one of the few um, here in Austin, and I mean, um, you know, a few chefs really, really cared and tried to do it, and it just wasn't, um, there wasn't a demand for it. You know, right. like it just wasn't a thing. You didn't have to yeah, do it. So yeah, no one knew about it. Um, but. You know, have, knowing that this chef like had a farm, like I thought it'd be really cool. Like That's other, really cool, other yeah. stuff to learn, right? Spend a little bit of time on the farm, yeah. check it out. Um, and it was uh, it was very authentic Italian food, and that wasn't something I had I had worked in restaurants before that had um, Italian influence, but not okay. with the authenticity that he really brought to it. So, so he, he had a farm. He was he was doing. Was it just like vegetables and herbs, or was it like he they had partnered with cows? And they all that stuff? they like I think the neighbor had like um, grew pigs and stuff for him. That's cool. I mean, it wasn't huge. It was you know I think a couple acres. But uh, so we would we would always have this fresh produce coming in, and then so the menu was always changing. And and uh, you know there's a charcuterie program, and the pasta was really cool. So I, I definitely enjoyed that, um, and then just. It was my first hotel experience too. Okay. Um, which. Oh yeah, that's. I'm cool. glad I got. I don't. Yeah. Hotels are not my thing. I don't. I, yeah. I don't. I'm glad I worked there for a year, but I. But that's different, right? Do more that's than different that. than a normal restaurant. It is. I mean, there's just other, a lot of. You got banquets. You know, you got a uh, room go, service. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, I mean, I remember just just hating having to cook for the, like doing a family meal. For the for the whole hotel, right? Where you like you have to spend a good chunk of your your day prepping, yeah. not just for service for the restaurant, yeah. But you're like have to cook for hundreds you're of employees, like like yeah. <laughs> which is basically just like opening up you know frozen bags and heating them up and maybe adding some herbs and stuff to it. But um, but it's just like okay, well I, I I didn't come here to do this. I sure. came here to cook real food. So the that was kind of frustrating. But long hours and stuff. No, I wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I think you know. Like probably ten hour days. I I try to come in early a lot and learn learn some things, but no, the hours are reasonable. So eventually, you around two thousand nine, December two thousand nine, you ended up opening Odd Duck. Yeah. Trailer. So after. But how did that kind of whole project take off? And so yeah, I was you know I was in Aspen, um, met some of the partners here um, in Aspen. I was cooking next to them and just you know had a had a great friendship with these guys and um, you know. At some point, I told them that I'm gonna move back to Austin, and I think I'm gonna start a food truck. Hell yeah! You know, because um, I was just kind of ready. I felt I was tired of working for other people, and you've been moving and, around a uh, bunch anyway, so you were kind of just ready to go. Yeah, back I was ready to, to come back home, and and uh, 
you know, food trucks were, were real big back then. At, yeah. at that at that time, that was they were like blowing the up. Of food yeah. trucks for sure. There's just so many empty lots and so so much demand for for better food options here. Yep. And um, so I was it's kind of like a no-brainer. Like, well, I think I can do that. And then the uh, the whole farm to table aspect. I started seeing more people go to the farmers market and yeah. Um, just think on my trips back home, just kind of seeing what was going on with the farmers market. Like, okay. There's some stuff going on here. We can we can make this work. Um, and uh, I remember the guys in Aspen were they thought I was kind of crazy and they didn't know what what a food truck was, you know. So okay, so not like, they didn't have that in Aspen. There's no they had no like there's full not, service no, restaurants exactly. in Aspen. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of cities did anywhere. Well, in Austin's you know? like kind of perfect for it though because it's more of a casual city. They, they like right. elevated cuisine, but it's also like a casual. City. They didn't care. Yeah, it makes they didn't sense, care yeah. if it's coming out of a food truck or not. That's but cool. there, you, when you when you at the time in any other city other than Austin, if you thought about food trucks, you thought about like tacos. Yep. Super casual. You know stuff. what I mean? Yeah. Like street food. Donuts. Are, uh, maybe not even that back then. But yeah. just like very casual. Just, yeah, like street meat. Just street food. Like, like, you know, we go to night market in Taiwan or something. Like, I'm going to eat I'm gonna eat stuff on a stick or, yeah. you know, whatever. So, so um, was that the idea from the get-go that you were like, well, I'm going to elevate that? Yeah, I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna cool. do whatever the fuck I want. That's tight. And, uh, sorry, can I cuss on this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do whatever I want and uh, just have fun with it and I think that I can make it good enough that people will come you know and was and, no one uh, else doing that I mean it's kind of hard for me now I know it's it combined I can tell you first of all I interviewed Chef Seipstein in San Antonio he owns Cookhouse I know some of those places and his inspiration for his Cajun uh, where you at truck that he had down uh, on the St. Mary Strip was a duck he came to Austin and had never seen anything food truck wise yeah. that had that elevated like almost fine dining cuisine yeah um so, yeah, you inspired him for sure, but did you have inspiration from other trucks, or were you kind of the first one? Not from other trucks. I didn't really okay. know. Of any, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I we it, it was just interesting timing. Like, we were coming up right when Franklin was opening and yep. Eastside Kings. So, like, there's three of us, like, just doing, getting, like, crazy press and so cool, cool, really cool stuff happening around 2010 yeah I think um, I think it Austin was kind of the perfect place for it, just the mentality that people have here and like you said it's casual um, and I think people were open minded and uh, and they just stay uh, they just really think in 2009 that like, we needed we needed more better restaurants so talk about the, the build out of that thing where'd you find the trailer uh, how long did it take to work on it and get it ready I looked at a lot of things you know I a lot of people were doing airstreams. Yep. Um, a lot of people were doing the big bo- white boxes that you can get custom made at you know some like a food truck, some warehouse yeah. somewhere. You know, and it's like I looked at all that and, and I just started looking on eBay. You know, and uh, I don't even know if people shop on eBay anymore for these sorts of things. But it was I just was looking at like travel trailers and. You know, maybe somebody that had converted one already into a, right. a kitchen. So I found one in Wisconsin. It it just just kind of had some cool character to it. Cool. Um, you know, it was a price point that I could afford. And, but it uh, wasn't built out yet, or it was. It had it had been built out. Okay. Now I you know I didn't know exactly the extent of it until I drove right. up there. Yeah. I remember walking in. I was like, shit. That's not what I wanted. 
This is going to be a lot of work. Yep. But you know what? I'm already here, so I might as well. So you drove, <laughs> did you all meet each other halfway, or did you drive no, up there? No, me and my brother drove to, uh, my brother's the other side of the story. He he was graduated, he graduated from uh, Texas State right when I was deciding to do this. And okay. Hadn't hadn't taken a job yet, or I don't know if he knew what he wanted to do. He had a finance degree, and uh, this is 2009, so it's like not a lot of oh, yeah. bad time for, yeah, for bad finance. Time. Um, bad time to start a business too. <laughs> not in Austin, though, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So. Um, no, yeah, I, I remember like looking back at that time. It was like we were in this bubble. Like it's we were crazy, so yeah. so little, uh, lightly affected by what was going on in the rest of the country. Um, so he came with me. We. We bought the thing. We, you know, got it all figured out. We ended up driving back and um, spent the next three months doing all the work ourselves. And okay, so you and him basically. So we, yeah, like my parents have a house on uh, North Shore, of Lake Travis, and have a have a got a big garage that that we built out there, and uh, That's awesome. and uh, kind of, you know, my dad had all these tools, and his neighbor actually. Knew how to build houses and stuff, so, so he, he really he really helped us. Yeah. Um, so me and Dylan, we did. I mean, we did all the electrical, but we gutted that whole thing out. Yeah, I was man. like, I thought I could salvage some of it. Nope. Because they had redone electrical and plumbing and, and had a couple pieces for cooking in there. Right. But it was just like kind of a shit show in that in that uh, trailer. So. What were they serving before? Just out of curiosity. It was called Laura's Wiener Wagon. Okay. She went to like carnivals and festivals so and stuff very selling casual hot dogs. Fair, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming what you wanted to do, yeah, to like so, kind of customize that thing. Yeah, um, and you know, I had this idea of cooking everything over wood. Yeah. Because uh, you know, just worked at a couple of restaurants that had a wood fire grill and really loved the uh, the flavor that imparted on the food and. Uh, so I was like, well, I, I think I can make that work. So Could you? gutted the whole trailer out. We ended up, like, even the, the roof and ceiling, we gutted and raised it up a little bit. Um, you know, put all new cladding inside and plumbing and electrical. We all did all that ourselves. So I learned a lot, you know, in the cool. process of that. Um, lots of lots of blood and sweat to get that thing going and the city didn't um, get on you for doing all the electrical and plumbing yourself or did you just not say anything no at the time they didn't they, they had very that. little regulations That's on awesome. uh, they on probably trailers. Had those too man they're brand new no I mean they trucks. really it was like we show up to get it inspected and like the requirements were That's so right. minimal yeah. and we didn't have propane so I didn't even have to get the fire department That's involved true, which is wood. That's cool. so which is kind of funny that like it's like even I had an actual fire yeah, in yeah. my trailer but they only cared if there was a propane and tank. You told them that involved. you were like, "We're just doing wood burning." Yeah. That's it. And they were like, yeah. oh, "You're good." Like they didn't check the hood system because I didn't really man. have one. So we, you know, I found this this cool wood burning grill on Craigslist, and so piecemealed the whole thing. Yeah, just yeah. just made it, put it all together, and um, you know, it took us the the first week of being open. I didn't have enough ventilation for this so thing, so I shit. was my eyes were were closed shut. Um, by by Saturday morning, and I don't right. think we could even open that day because I couldn't open my eyes wow. from all the smoke, and um, we were like trying to figure it out. I didn't want to have to spend the money for like a real vent hood commercial thing, vent yeah. hood. Um, so I I built the part that the trailer was in, like just all screened in, yeah, thinking that the airflow would help, right? Um, but we needed something more powerful to pull the uh, smoke out so we ended up 
just putting like box fans on the outside. Say, what about a fan? Yeah. And it would so it would suck the, the so air out. So we it took. Um, there's a lot of trial and error during okay. this process of Early on, yeah. which fans are strong enough to suck enough air, right. but then also withstand the heat. Oh, yeah. Being That's right cool. above a wood grill. I didn't think about that because it had to be. So, those plastic box fans don't last very long. No. So, we found some metal ones. Like industrial. And then we realized ones. no matter what fan we got, they'd still overheat in the middle working. of service and stop yeah. working. Wow. So, what we had, we had a system down where we always had two fans up behind the grill. And the two off. So, and we always had a backup. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, one of them would always go out. So, we'd take that one off. And right. put ice on it to cool right. it down. I don't know if that actually did anything. That's but then, uh, yeah. And then put the new one up. And right. then the other one would go out. Right. And by that time, hopefully, the other backup that it was cooling down was ready to go again. So it was just a cycle. So, so I think the, we had three, the, maybe four fans at a time. So that was, your, that was your exhaust so, and that And it worked. <laughs> um, it was weird. Um, but we figured it out. And I think at that point, you know, it was, just, I, it was like, oh, man, we could do anything now. You know? <laughs> oh no, man! I think it's awesome. It's kind we're of like, cooking. We're cooking for two hundred people day a day out it, of a hundred and forty square foot trailer with a wood burning grill in it and no real ventilation. Dude, so what's the, the hell definition are we doing? of kind of like the Wild West and just winging it and just saying, yeah, I don't know. That's what it. I. I think that's what I liked about it so much. I love honestly, that, yeah. there were so little regulations on it, and we that's could kind of cool, we could kind of do whatever the hell we wanted. Yeah. It's and, not really uh, like that now, is it? Um, it's changed, it's more. So. It's it's definitely gotten tightened up and. Uh, just, you know, all you got to do is, like, find some land, and you can do, you can, we can start a business. So where know? were you posted up? You, right, you... right here. So, oh, which yeah. is kind of funny, and I guess serendipitous. Yeah. Um, they, the, this lot was empty. The lot next to us was empty. What was here at the time was Gordeaux's, the, the donut trailer. Right, yeah. And there was plenty of space for more, for more trailers, so I... I found out who owned the land, and I just kept hounding the guy to like have a meeting with me and try to beg him to. He just rent not. The space he wasn't into me. it. He didn't want to well, he wasn't care. like really. He wasn't advertising. Okay. Space release so for you just trailer. Found him. I found yeah. him, and I went after him, and he so was. You gotta do it. He was. He was really nice to take a meeting with me, and you know, I guess something I said, you know, you know, sparked something in him to want to give me a shot to. Right. To, to park right there and he, you kind of you know, showed so. him like what you were thinking like yeah. I'm going to do this it's not happening anywhere yeah. else in town really and yeah. it's going to be cool and I wanted to do like the the small we call them small plates you know basically taken from like what tapas are and yeah even like Japanese restaurants doing sushi or anything it's like just a lot of small things right. you, get to, you get to try a bunch of different stuff throughout your meal you know what I mean you're not it's not a appetizer entree well the kind of what eventually and we'll get to that but what eventually happened at Barley Swine right so yeah because I had worked at a couple restaurants that weren't weren't Tapa's restaurant it wasn't a Tapa's restaurant but everything he did was kind of small and uh, you know you could share it with a couple people but you can get like a lot of a lot of stuff right and that's what I wanted to just kind of rethink the kind of service that, that most restaurants do and uh, just provide that experience for people. So we just offered like smaller things and tried to have like five. I think that when we opened, we had like maybe seven things on the menu. So it was like pretty so simple a lot of menu people, at yeah. first. A lot of people would come in and order, like come in with your wife and you order the whole thing, the whole menu, right? That's dope. Um, and you have so a that table cool. set up out there. Yeah, we had like tables. You know, we and you know that was part of the part of the learning experience was how 
the service side of it, like how to like make it efficient and, and all yeah. that stuff. Um, how many people were working on the, I mean, it was you, did you have someone helping you out? Or yeah, I mean, me and my brother, my brother stayed with me and, you know, he's now, he's still a partner today in, in cool. the restaurants and uh, he handles all the finances and uh, is honestly like extremely valuable to the company and has a, he works for a little bit, um, food running and stuff as well in high school. Like, yeah, okay. Cool. So he, he had some restaurant experience and just, Honestly, just like like dabble in a lot of stuff too. Like he does, a lot, he got into like uh, I don't want to say construction, but like woodworking and stuff. Okay, like he can, he, cool. he knows how to he use can, a drill like, and a and, 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 yeah, and a saw. That. You know, that's cool. Um, yeah, like if a pipe breaks in one of the sinks, he, he comes him. in, he comes yeah. in and fixes that's it dope. real quick. Um, but. Uh, so he, he just kind of, he did, he did whatever. He did anything from working the grill to taking orders and prepping with me. So he, cool. he really uh, took it on and, and did, did whatever needed to be done, really. Awesome. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that first, first, first couple months was, was, was fun, man. We, we worked our butts off and just going for it. So and, you opened uh, in December 2009, is that correct? Yeah. And uh, it was you, Gordos, that were chilling over here. Yeah. What was that reception initially like? I mean, did you do any sort of advertising or was it just like word of mouth? Well, at, at the time, there was no social media. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. didn't have, uh, I think I think MySpace was still a thing, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there was no well, I guess Instagram. like Facebook was around, but it wasn't used for that. You know what I mean? There was no, no Instagram. There it was, was all like it was that. all Yelp. Yeah. So crazy, Yelp was man. the only platform where online people could learn about us but you said eventually you were serving 200 people a day and stuff and like that so was that kind of like right out of the gates i think word of mouth no i mean it was so we're opening in december outside in the trailers you know we had a okay we had a slow a slow true. start um so we definitely had some some days that were very quiet um but uh slowly started getting uh a lot of traction you know we we had some good reviews online and people started showing up i think Again, I think just it was a great time to do what we were doing because really people was. in Austin were hungry for that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think they wrote about us in the paper soon after that. And then uh, I think what really did it for us is like probably right beginning, either late, late spring or early summer, uh, we were on no reservations. Dope. And, uh, okay. and that like just made... It kind of helped catapult us through so the rest of the year. you met Anthony Bourdain and some of that? He actually, that, I I got to meet him the second time he came. We came to Barley Swine. Okay. That first one for Odd Duck was just a voiceover from him. He, okay. he didn't actually okay. come and visit, but they came and shot. The whole crew was there, and they shot That's us. That's cool, and, though, man. But, um, but I, I did finally get to meet him uh, about a year or two later. Right. Uh, when he came to them, but... It was uh, just being on that show was amazing, and we were on a couple other shows. Um, but it started to really pick up. So it, yeah, it, got it to was the point where it was like, okay, this is a thing that's. Yeah, Austin was getting a lot of it's catching starting up. to get recognition okay. for food and. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What other places were kind of like, so Odd Duck was popping off. Were there any other places where you saw like, okay, they're doing similar things? Like this is like a scene now, where you know shit's starting. No, I wouldn't happen. say similar things. Just like like well-received things okay. you know um, like I said Eastside Kings there, and yeah. Franklin was was at that time as well and I mean Eastside King like, was just a trailer too at the time yeah right? yeah yeah that's cool uh, so how long into all this obviously this was running smoothly and going really well how long into that before you were like 
started to think about barley swine and, and get that on your radar? I mean, the, having a, a brick-and-mortar uh, restaurant was always my goal. Okay. Um, you know, the trailer I, I was able to do because... I basically, I, I think I borrowed 15 grand from my parents, and then I put the rest on my credit cards. Yep. So I, I had about 20, that. 25 grand or 20 grand in debt <laughs> in my credit cards, and then this stuff, and just, just, uh, it was, it was a, a viable option, you yeah. know. Uh, so, but I knew that my goal was a brick and mortar. I needed okay. to gain some, not only experience on how to run a business, but. Um, like gain some uh, some recognition and get you know develop a uh, reputation I guess to, so yeah. that uh, so that you know a, a more um, expensive restaurant would mm -hmm. would uh, be possible. So yeah, um, came across barley swine the space. It was right, an old right pie shop. There, right? Yeah, yeah. Just this pie shop that closed down because I think the guy wasn't paying his taxes and um, my father knew the landlord from working from like a produce company a couple years back working with them and um, so I looked at the space I saw a lot of potential in it it was you know a cool small enough space to where it was I really only needed to raise a couple hundred grand to get it going right and um, between like family and friends and people like we were able to make it work and um, you know because I didn't have any rich friends I didn't, you know my no. family wasn't, wasn't yeah. wealthy enough, um, so like it was that was uh it, you know, it was a good uh, step from the trailer to this small kitchen space. Because it's a pretty, if I remember, we ate there in 2012. Um, yeah, we were about 40 seats. Pretty small restaurant. Yeah, yeah I do remember thinking that uh, in a cool way. That was very, like, yeah. intimate setting, nice dimly lit. Yeah, so how that? What, what year did that open? That so we actually signed the lease for that eight months after... Like in August, the, after opening the trailer, so, so you were rolling at that point. So yeah. we were just go go go, and uh, ended up opening four months after that. So it was again in December, of twenty ten um, or twenty eleven. Twenty ten. Okay. So a year after the trailer opened, we opened Barley. So I got to Austin in twenty ten, <clears throat> and literally I think I got here. Then Barley Swine opened, and very quickly after that, that was like the hot ticket in town. And yeah. I, I remember that, and and. Uh, it was just a, kind of a big deal when it, when it opened. Uh, yeah, I think, again, it was just good timing. Um, yeah. People wanted that type of food and, uh, and service. You know, we wanted to be casual, but, like, I don't know. I, I had this dream of, like, having a restaurant in Austin where guests could come in wearing a tank top and flip-flops. Yeah, I could wear this. And eat, and eat foie gras. Yeah, I love that, man. You know what I mean? That's, like, like, the there's thing, nowhere, yeah. I was like, there's nowhere in town that nope. did this, so. I think that was a big thing for me. It's just like I want the servers to be who they are, but like give give quality service and, and uh, experience service, but like make sure we weren't bringing any pretension to the vibe. Like everything was yeah. still casual and felt good. So it's accessible, but still um, the highest quality. Yeah, approachable. Yeah. That's cool. um, you know, and and again, keep that kind of small, shareable plates. Um, so it was part of the deal. So we had about like 10 to, you know, I went from seven items at the trailer to 10 to 12 items on the menu. So it didn't, didn't expand um, it much. So not really. Yeah. Um, but we were able to like, I mean, we were able to put things on plates. You know, the trailer, everything had to be paper. So, um, That's you true. know, we could actually make the food look nice. And, uh, you know, I remember at the time, I, mean, I was definitely 
trying to buy a lot of local produce and work with local ranchers and stuff, but I, I was bringing in like foie gras and scallops and fish from wherever, and you know, we slowly kind of transitioned to even our, all of our proteins, like all our fish is from the Gulf, and uh, working even closer with local ranchers and stuff, so like, That's cool. it was, we, we had the local food in mind, but have tightened up the uh, our restrictions on it. I think over the years to where we're you know we're as locally sourced as we've ever been, um, and trying to do as much in house as possible. And how many employees did you have at the time? So I'm assuming you had to get some servers and stuff like that. And I remember when I went. So I went in 2012, and it was the most memorable restaurant experience that I had ever had to that point. And one of the most you know when I think back on Austin and some of my early days here. Uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had. Uh, and the reason for that was there were a few things that stood out to me. We set up at the bar with me and a girl that I was taking on a date. I'd saved up some money. I was going to go to Barley Swine because it was like, like I said, it was the place. Uh, and we went and we ordered, like you said, it was a small place that you could kind of share. I knew a little bit about food, but not that much. So this was very like adventurous for me and for yeah. her. And we thought it was really cool. Had great yeah. like local beer, was into it. But what I remember distinctly, and I'll never forget, is that when they would bring out our plates to us, they would kind of come from behind us at the bar and like set them in between us and then they would explain each yeah. particular, you know, piece of the dish and they would tell us, you know, this is how you should be consuming this, this is how you should eat it, this is exactly what you're eating and uh, this is how you, you know, it's meant to be enjoyed yeah. and, and I never experienced anything like that and I thought yeah. it was really, really, really cool. Um, so I'm assuming that was all your vision, correct? Yeah, we wanted, um, I think that was just like an extra level of service they wanted to provide people is like... Not, not to bore you with too many things, but like we want to tell you what this is, right? Because yeah. you you're probably gonna, you're probably wondering what these things are on the sure. plate. So I let's was. go ahead and tell you yeah. from the beginning. So, because I think like there were some new things for people, and you know, you know, when people are uh, not sure of something, I don't, I don't want them to feel uh, intimidated by anything. Um, so, you know, because a lot of people they don't want to ask and look stupid. Yeah. You know, it's totally fine. Um, so we want wanted to kind of like try to do a quick explanation of what you're eating, and sometimes there is uh, you know you have to give people direction. Yeah. Like you should eat this with this kind of thing. And I feel like that is kind of what it was. Like you said, doing the whole thing where it's very fine dining, super high quality, but without that pretension. And you know, I was 25. This person I was with was probably 21, and we look, we're probably the, some of the youngest people in there. Yeah. We could, you know, we would have felt dumb if somebody would have made us feel dumb, and instead we felt like we belonged there, and yeah. it's, you know, they made us feel like we were just like the multimillionaires right down the, at the next table. So that was, I don't know. Well, that's cool. cool. I mean, that's that. I'm glad, I'm glad that you took that away from there. I mean, that that's definitely what I wanted it to be. Um, you know, I want everyone to feel comfortable there. There's no white tablecloth. Nope. Service, right? No. So reception there was good. Yeah. People were into it. You were yeah. getting a lot of press and stuff like that. But around that time, the Odd Duck trailer was kind of right across the street closed uh, to make way for an apartment complex. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so we kept so at, so when we opened Barley, we were a year in at the trailer. We really considered closing so we could just focus on Barley. Okay. And I, I kind of put it on my brother like, do you want to do you want to close or do do you want to keep it going? Okay. Because I was going to be over there like at I the restaurant it, the whole yeah. time. I can't split my time. Yeah. No. So we ended up, we had the staff, I mean, we would have had to, I would have had to let most of them go, um, and then it was just like, well, we, we might as well keep it going. Yeah. 
So we ended up having the trailer there for another year, so it was open for two years total. And then we ended up having to actually close down because, yeah, they, they uh, sold the property for to be developed. Um, and then... Uh, for this. For this right here, yeah. And um, so at that point, trailer's done, Barley's, you know, a year in. We're getting good press. Um, I think I got Best New Chef that year. Yep. Um, just everything falling in line, like super cool. I, I I didn't expect any of it. I just I just wanted to be you know busy enough to pay the bills and make That's a little cool. bit of money, you know. Um, so I you know a lot of these things I just, I never dreamed were even possible, but yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. I feel very very fortunate um, that it worked out the way it did. But we so yeah we're running barley and. Um, as soon as we, we, we were, I had in my head that I wanted to do another restaurant that was a little bit bigger. Okay. You know, after running Barley for a year or two, it's like, okay, I think it's time to start looking for something else. It felt it's, like you were comfortable like doing wanted, that. Yeah. Like we kind of evolved the Barley menu into something a little bit more That's cool. uh, upscale. And um, I was like, this could be a good opportunity to do a larger space, you know, even more approachable, um, lower price point kind of thing. And uh, we, I came across this, this shell that they were gonna build on this corner. Oh, so this so wasn't this, here. This was not here. Okay. This was this was an empty lot, but it is part of the apartment development. So the guys that were developing that owned right. this lot, and they were um, well, they're. they're they're leasing this lot, but they they built this glass shell of a building with the idea of putting a restaurant in it. Okay. So I went after that hard. Awesome. Like, this is gonna be perfect. Um, and we, you know, convinced them to give us a shot and okay. figured out the finances. And, and uh, so yeah, three three years after Barley, we opened this place. Wow. And what's the difference, would you say, between barley? Is barley a little bit more fine dining than this is? Uh, how would you compare the two? That's something I personally always wondered. Well, right before we opened Odd Duck, the, the brick and mortar, we, I, w I was thinking to myself, like, you know, it is going to be kind of weird, like, barley swine's right down the street. Right down the street, yeah. I don't want to compete with it. You know, I don't see the food being that much different, but, you know, we'll, we'll create a different menu, but it's like, you know, is it going to be... You know, different enough to sustain, you know, being you know, within a mile of each other on the same street. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, you know what? Let's maybe we make barley a tasting menu only. Restaurant. Okay. So that's what we did. So I changed the a la carte menu and so just if you came into barley, it, you had to do the tasting menu. Okay. And there were there was very little tasting menu service happening in Austin. No, I think I maybe one yeah. or two restaurants were doing it. I mean, Wink offers <laughs> offers you know a tasting option, okay. but they also have a la carte. You know, so I think it was like one. Of the, it was the only place where it was tasting menu only. And you got you, all you the came all in, carte. yeah. So if you came into Barley, you had no choice on what you ate. We were gonna feed you unless you had an allergy or something. Um, so that was us separating ourselves from Honda. So different concepts. So we were able, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, so it was kind of nice because our opening menu at Odd Duck was really just 
yeah. some of our favorite dishes from barley that's that cool. I thought could so be executed in a bigger restaurant. Here, yeah. Um, cool. And I remember some people, like some Yelpers, were like, "It's the same stuff I had at barley." Right. I'm like, "No shit." Yeah. Like, look, what do you think? We're we're, we're going to change our menu right. frequently. So yes, I'm going to open and train everybody, all the these new that people, the stuff that I know yeah. is going to work, right? And uh, so I just remember, like, like, what the fuck do people want? You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> give it a training. give it a second, you know. Give it some time. You're you're gonna they, restaurants just like people and everything else they evolve. Yeah. You know, and I knew that, and uh, so it's you know I knew that it was gonna change and the menu's gonna change, and so we yeah we want to start with something that we need. So so that was kind of fun to 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 do that and bring bring some old stuff back, um, and uh, yeah so. After that, I mean, we, you know, Odd Duck started doing really well, and um, Barley, uh, I ran into some, some issues with my landlord. Okay. Um, very common thing. Yeah. He, uh, he doesn't have a very good reputation for being right. a very good person. Okay. Um, and uh, so he was not recognizing my lease renewal, and cost me a lot of money, and lawyer fees and stuff. So you wanted to stay there originally? I wanted to stay there. Um, you know, when you put a bunch of money into the space, yeah. you don't want to leave after a couple yeah. years because, you know, it's nice to see some return on your investment. Completely. So, you know, I was able to, 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 to stay for another three years, but I knew after that I was going to be done. So yep. there's no way he's going to renew or sign a new lease with me after that. He was just—he was trying to—he's—he's—he likes to find people that he can rip off, basically. So he was trying so, to exploit you, essentially. Yeah, he—he he was trying to to raise my rent by like forty percent, and wasn't able to wasn't willing to put any money into like the parking lot or the shared space that we had. Is that legal? And all this stuff. Um, apparently. So he was technically doing it in a legal way, but just like he—he's—he's he's got a lot of. Let's just say he's lost a lot of lawsuits and has okay. a lot of liens on his okay. properties right now. There we go. Um, but I learned a lot in the process. Um, you can sue sue people all day long. That yep. doesn't mean anything. Nope. Um, so, because I was also in a in a legal fight with uh, this restaurant in Miami that was opening called Barley and Swine. Wow. So I had, I bought the trademark for Barley Swine and we sent them a cease and desist letter and they didn't stop we're trying to get them to change their name. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. So that cost me about. 40, 50 grand to fight that, and they ended up closing, anyways. So almost not worth it. So <laughs> I uh, learned I learned a lot in that process too. Geez, um, so I had two two like lawsuits going on at the same time, and like so I'm like tr I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what what's the future of barley swine right now? Um, we so I I I wanted to move to a different location that was separate from Onda. Um, I wanted a bigger space, yeah. And I wanted I wanted a space where we could offer a la carte and a tasting menu. Okay. Because I was kind of realizing that just doing a tasting menu wasn't I don't think it wasn't, wasn't the most um, sustainable concept. Even being a small space, I think you really you're, you're, there's a certain amount you can do with that. Limiting your yeah. Um, and 
I knew that I could create a space in a kitchen that could execute a la carte service and a tasting menu option, that would be ideal. Okay. Because um, it still satisfies the... There's, there's, there's a lot of effort and thought that goes into creating a tasting menu for people, and I think that um, I wanted to keep that going. Okay. Um, and just have it be an option for people, That's you know? Cool. Um, so, yeah, so uh, came across a space on Burnett Road, and um, which, again, funny enough, was right next to the original place that I wanted to put the Odd Duck trailer. Okay. Um, there was an old, the old farmer's market up there. It was right next to a poorhouse pub at the time. Yeah, and then they, they ended up about, developing yeah. that into an apartment complex. Yeah. So we, so there was a built, uh, kind of a strip mall right next to it. Like five, five stores, you know, in there. Yeah, there's like a lick um, over there down and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, Endeavor, who bought the property, was kind of going to re revamp it, redevelop the... Did they come to you or did you go to find them? Um, they, pro they proposed it to me, I think. Yeah. And you, at that we were, point, you were just trying to... Were you already severed ties with him or you were just trying to get out of that? We were... I mean, I had... I think at the time I had about two... I, I think it was right when I had the three-year... So I had a three-year lease with a three-year option. Right. It was right at that option time. Yep. So we had been there for three years. I renewed my lease for another three years, but he was trying to say that I couldn't renew my lease. Sure. So that was when it was like, okay, I'm gonna start looking. So okay. we still had three years on our lease. Okay. But like when you when you're trying to open a restaurant, it takes almost two years it takes basically. Time, yeah. So you knew that. To find a place, find you know, sign a lease, build it out, build it out, permitting, all that stuff. So okay. it was about two, almost a year and a half, two years, um, from that point to get open. So that we, gave you time to where you yeah, could you know finish yeah. out over here, but then do the whole build out over yep. there without rushing. For sure. So, yeah. And then that, that opened in 2016. We were almost almost another December opening. So every, because every other business was in December. Right. Um, but we, we were a little late and opened in January. Okay. Um, Would you say uh, most of your projects, are you, are you usually on time and on budget or are you kind of over budget? Go past no, time. No, way, way past time, way yep. over budget. Yeah, every time. Um, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. So that opened up. How far is that from here, from the odd duck? Miles-wise, I couldn't tell you, but, you know, without traffic, 15 minutes. Okay. That's cool. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a similar demographic yeah, neighborhood uh, as, as here on the Mar, um, but not as developing. Okay. Like, uh, I mean, I I had no idea when we opened Odd Duck that there were so many apartments that this were going to open. Just gonna, does that so help this, place quite this a bit? has become a much more walkable area yeah, um, than Burnett Road is. Yeah, because I guess it wasn't back. When no, it was all. Here. I mean, these are all just empty lots or like, uh, That's yeah, you that know, car, auto, auto shops and stuff like that. That's crazy, man. Um, so, yeah, so you open up Barley Swine down there. You get through the whole, all that legal hassle with old landlord. Then... Um, Talk about Sour Duck Market. So that's 2017. That's more of like a casual spot. What's up? With no, that was uh, 2018. Okay. So year. So we're like a year and a half in. Okay. Um, yeah. So we, you know, at that time, Odd Ducks, Odd Duck had been open for, I don't know, I can't remember when we started talking about it, but probably four, three to four years in here. Um, you know, I, I, um, I think like some of the, you know, we're just getting a little antsy. You know, it's like yeah. okay, what's what's next? You know. Um, and 
we're really maxing out the the kitchen here, and because um, we were doing all our own bread and um, just just all the all the prep everything, that can't, went into this place was just really really uh, kicking our butts. So we um, we're, we're kind of thinking, well, maybe maybe we can do like a bakery, okay, commissary type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, kind of, kind of need to have a storefront if you're going to do a bakery too. We don't want it just to be baking bread to take to Odd Duck. So we wanted to do the bread for Odd Duck there, but also be able to sell it maybe to other places or okay. at least out of the that that store. So, um, so we, I, I told my broker like we we're looking for we're looking for something else, and that, that that space for Sour Duck popped up pretty quickly. Okay. And. Um, uh, uh, this, the guy that bought it, Jesse, he, I had actually visited uh, with him prior um, looking at some spaces on Rainy Street. And then uh, like a couple years later, he, he, he bought the Sour Duck space and was okay, leasing cool. it. And, you know, it was like a catering kitchen already, and uh, the guy was running like a small little cafe out of it. So, so it, it, had a, it had a liquor license yeah. and everything. But there was this big yard in the back yeah. with all these overgrown bushes and some citrus trees and stuff I was like, oh, like we shit. can utilize that in some way like some old houses back there just like well, this is all for lease so you can do whatever the heck you want with it like okay so um, just by seeing the space I think we developed the concept through that okay. um, we really just wanted to do something else that was going to incorporate a bakery so you didn't know exactly what it was, was going to be but you wanted so it was like logistics wise you needed like that commissary and yeah. then on top of that we're going to do something we so can. yeah just That's like cool. okay well we can we can do a beer garden you know we can put a whole other building in the back and and uh have a bar area um and then uh you know let's let's do like food that you know, I think will be even a lower price point and okay. more casual, like, you know, sandwiches and, okay, and yeah. things like that. So, because we were really, Mark, my partner here, um, who who's his his baby is Sour Duck. Uh, he he, he kind of heads the the team over there and okay. um, was just he was kind of overseeing lunches here. And just coming up with some like badass kind of works, sandwiches, yeah. you know, like, um, and so it was like, well, let's, I mean, we can do what we do here at lunch it's an know, awesome for a whole other restaurant. Yeah, right over there. So that's kind of like, that was part of the mentality there. Um, but, um, yeah, we, you know, in Sour Duck, it quickly became like a, a family-friendly spot. Yeah. We didn't really think about that. It but, is, yeah. I was able to, and also able to find a use for the old trailer. We gutted it out, and it's now like a stage slash kid play area. Oh, is it? Um, oh, yeah, it's in, the, okay. it's in the backyard That's over cool. there. That's cool. That's um, cool. Because it was just rotting huh. away at my my parents' house for the last couple of years, and been trying to figure out what to do with it. Do people, do people <laughs> even realize that? You, some. They do. They know yeah. what's going on. That's I don't know. Cool. Some do. Are you good at delegating, you know, when you get these new projects and, you know, send the guy that was doing lunch over there and helping him kind of run that? Well, that was a, a partnership. I okay. didn't, I didn't okay. tell him to do anything. It was, it was uh, you know, we, we had uh, cooked together in Aspen, and he Mark came down before we opened Odd Duck. You know, we were, we had a barley swan going, and just being in touch with him, he 
he was he was interested in coming down here and being a part of opening Odd Duck. So okay. he came down, uh, I don't know, a year or two before Odd Duck opened and, you know, worked at Barley doing various things and really helped us out. And he's, he's, a, he's a wealth of knowledge, that guy, when it comes to cooking and, awesome. and food. He, uh, he's like a food encyclopedia, just really understands, you know, all aspects of it. And um, so he was able to really provide a lot of a cool uh, cool uh, in, you know thoughtful you know techniques and things that we incorporated into, into what we do and but uh, he uh, so it was me and him and then uh, Sam also was here and who he left to uh, go do his own thing um, about three years or so into this place opening so yeah Mark Mark was kind of leading it here and um, you know, just kind of like, what's, what's next for us, you know? And okay. So, he, cool. I think he really, he's he's good at this, you know, he's he's good at opening restaurants. And, That's good. Yeah, you know, he had, like he had opened a restaurant in Aspen um, before coming down here, so. So you could trust him, you knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You go handle that, yeah, that's awesome. So, we, I think we have a good, uh, a good uh, dynamic amongst us uh, now with Jason, who handles all the front of the house stuff, and then. Dylan is kind of behind the scenes finance okay. guy. Me and Mark are chefs. What's your like day to day life like the restaurants right now? Um, so I've been splitting my time more between Odd Duck and Barley. I try to make it over to Sour Duck a couple days a week, you know, cool. for a couple hours here and there, just to kind of stay in touch with those guys. But you know, Mark Mark um, heads that over there, and we just kind of we have our meetings and talk about things over there. But uh, here I'll be here. Two two nights a week here, two nights a week at Barley, um, working service and cool. you know so just working. random meetings yeah. throughout the week and just kind of you were doing stuff when I got here. So yeah, in this morning, yeah. Um, but we're still, you know, really figuring it out, like what, you know, what what's next for us. You know, what sure. what, what is our day to day going to be like for the for the future? You know, so. Um, but right now we just yeah we've got some great people working for us and makes our lives easier we don't have to make all the day-to-day -day decisions anymore we just kind of like follow yeah. up check in kind of help guide people you know if i have a strong opinion about something i'll make sure it's known and mm -hmm. um, but i also understand that my opinion is not everyone's opinion and sure. you know you really have to be uh open-minded to what what's best for the guests what's best for the employees what do they want you know so that's true what um how many employees do y'all have the whole uh group? it's like 150 ish maybe maybe 170 i don't know something like that you'd like schedule you know if you need an odd duck meeting you schedule an odd duck meeting if you need a barley swine meeting is that separate or is it kind of like everybody get together we're in we haven't had a whole staff meeting in in a long time it's we have a department meeting so okay. you know um okay. so but we have we have our regular weekly meetings every week. You know, I, I probably spend ten hours a week just in meetings. Cool. Um, which I think is very valuable. Um, yeah, it's a way to get on the same page with everybody. And Especially at this level, you kind of need yeah. that communication. For sure, definitely. communication is extremely important for the success of of a business. You know, cool. and. Uh, Especially here, and you know, things things are changing frequently. Yeah, you know, I mean, it'd be be a lot easier if we just had one menu that we ran all the time. For sure, um, yeah, y'all are changing things so often. You know, when we when we change things with the seasons and what's available to us, it requires a lot of 
a lot of thought and constant uh, communication with with everybody. Yeah. Um, but uh, it keeps us moving and pushing uh, ourselves to create something new and different. Definitely. You know? A couple more questions. I'm going to let you go. Yeah. I know lunch, lunch is about to start. Um, might embarrass you a little bit, but I wanted to talk about your uh, James Beard six-time nominations. Seven. Seven. Seven <laughs> nominations. All right, there we go. Um, I think. I want to, you know, because I know when you started this whole thing, I'm assuming that wasn't. That might have been a lofty goal you had, but you weren't necessarily expecting that. No, I, I, I suggest, I mean, I guess. I knew about the Beard Awards. I always admired all the chefs that were you know, it was definitely a way to measure uh, chef's success. And, and you knew about them when you know, it happened. Yeah. Um, but what's that experience like? I mean, And like I said, like, I I, I mean, I, I sought out certain jobs yeah. because certain guys had nominations. And I'm assuming yeah. this exact same people, you know, nowadays do that with you. Yeah. Um, what's it like? What's it, that whole experience like? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to, I don't know, it's kind of surreal. You know, yeah. I don't really, it, it only hits me when I'm actually in Chicago at the awards and, yeah. like, I'm like walking past, you know, Thomas Keller and you know, all these guys. That, you know, I've, I've I've had owned their cookbooks for 20 years. And, Thomas Keller's, um, awesome, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I uh, I don't know. I mean, I hard. It's hard to consider myself in that in anywhere near the caliber of these guys. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying my best, and I want to have a, you know. Uh, respectable place that you know people can enjoy themselves but then also like appreciate you know how we do things here because yeah. um, we do put a lot of effort and thought into our sourcing how we treat our employees how we treat our guests um, just you know every every aspect around the business so you know I I always thought I was a pretty good cook I was a pretty good line cook I could hang with with most people and um, but but I also know that there's a lot that I don't know and I don't do very well. Still learning um, all the time. And yeah. that's what's so great about this that's industry cool, is I've, I've been, I'm, 30, I'm 36, almost 37. I've been in the industry for 20 years and I learn stuff every day. Yeah, seriously. And um, whether it's something related to food or cooking techniques that I'm not super experienced with or or how to deal with other human beings, you know? Um, yeah. There's so much that um, that keeps me on my toes every day that, uh, you know, you don't get bored uh, at all, so. With the James Beard Award, when, you know, like the day that that's announced or anything, do yeah. you, I talked to Steph, Chef Steve McHugh at Cured in San Antonio, he takes off that day, he gets so nerve, you know, it's nerve wracking for him, and he, is that something that you do, or are you just like, I, whatever, whatever happens? I, yeah, yeah. I don't, um, I don't know. I I really appreciate it, but it's not why I do Definitely. what I do. Yeah. So to be honest, like I yeah, do I want it? Yeah, I want I want to win this yeah, thing. Definitely. But it's it's more so to show our team. Yeah. Like, hey, you yeah, guys are y'all think, are the yeah. ones doing all this, you know? I'm just one guy. Like yeah. I'm not cooking everything for everybody. I'm not writing the recipes for yeah. everybody. You know, like I have influence over stuff, but I'm not doing everything. So this is more for for the team. You know, like I want them to feel that pride. Do and, they? And, Does it galvanize and, uh, the the team? And and I think. I mean, I think forward? it's. I mean, I think they they like to say that they get to work for a James Beard nom- nominated chef. But 
for them to say that they work for a James Beard Award winner, you know, would be, would cool be even yeah. better. Um, but again, it's for them. It's it's for the city too. I mean, just to get recognition for what we're doing here in the city. And um, I'm happy to be a part of it. I feel very fortunate. But it's so much more than than me and what what my skill set is. You know, it's it's um, so many people have helped me get my name on that on that screen. You know, seven yeah. times and hopefully eight times coming up. But we'll see what happens and. Um, Again, I just I, I want to win for the guys. I want to win for the team. And, yeah, been nominated. Um, you said seven times now. You're 36. I'm assuming I'm, it's gonna happen. Or yeah, and I'm yeah. and I'll be I'll be very honest with you. I'm kind of tired of sitting through that award show. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to get done with it. <laughs> so you got um you got barley swine. You have odd duck, sour duck market opened up uh, about a year ago. What's uh? You seem like you're always churning out something, man. Always some sort of idea going on. What's on the horizon for you? Are you just sticking with things for now? And yeah, just, you know, um, I think the last couple of years we've all started to pay a little more attention and put more of a priority on our on our family lives, you know. And yeah. like my brother has two kids now. I have Definitely. a four-year-old, and you know, hope to have another one uh, at some point. And just trying to make sure that we're not. Um, missing out on on that side of life you Definitely. Know? Um, so it is nice to have a very manageable schedule and somewhat flexible flexible schedule but um, but I I do get bored easily so I imagine there'll be something else we are working on a uh, I, you could call it a cookbook if you want cool. um, we're That's calling awesome. it we're calling it an almanac so it's oh, it's yeah. called odd duck almanac Taking taking from like the old farmer's almanac. That's cool. Um, we're hoping to have it uh, available before December. Oh wow! So so yeah. very soon. So, so we've been working on like that a this ten year. year of, right, it's ten years in December. Yeah, for the, the trailer yeah, yeah. opened up. So, so we're that'll be cool. So yeah, we've got the, you know a, a, a kind of a smaller selection of recipes from the last couple of years, and then just kind of in the style of a of a farmer's almanac. It's pretty cool. Yeah working with a local publisher and and uh, our in-house for I say in-house but he's, he's now doing a lot of stuff uh, photographer that we've Richard started off working for us um, in front of the house here and ended up he's really good at photography and like wow. has started taking pictures for us and has developed this whole other career for himself he's, oh, wow. he's really talented um, and then local illustrator uh, Brock Karen who has a cool style and cool um, so it's it's really neat to like work with these local guys that are being really creative and and uh, I think it's I think it's gonna be a really cool little book. But um, that's gonna come out and then hope, probably we'll try to do a barley swine book next year. I want to do a barley swine twenty twenty. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. Just take the whole year of, like gather a whole year's worth of of uh, you know recipes and just stuff anything that we do throughout that year and. Uh, and then try to make a book out of it. So um, that's my goal, anyways. Right now, you know, I, I always thought I'd have a farm someday. I don't know. Um, you you know, stay, I, in, I don't, stay in Texas. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't want to travel. I mean, I saw what my dad did when I was a kid, and yeah. I do not want to do that. Um, and uh, now there's enough opportunities around us that we don't need to be doing that. But yeah, I mean, as far as another like restaurant concept, I 
I wouldn't be surprised if we did something else. It just has to be the right time and place. And, you know, a lot of it, too, is uh, your team. You know, we yeah. Sour Duck made sense because we had the team for it. We had a lot of people that were ready to take that next step with us. And um, so it's that's the cool part about opening restaurants, you know, constantly opening restaurants every couple of years because you, you're giving your team room to grow. Yes. Um, and, and that's that's important too. So, um, well, we'll see. I don't honestly, we don't have any other restaurants in the works right now. But okay, yeah. so kind of casually keeping our eye open. Right now, yeah. Eye open for you know maybe cool spaces that might spark something. We'll see. Sweet. Um, last question I got for you: When um, when you're not working, when you have a chance to actually kind of chill, you said you have a four-year-old, probably hang out with a uh, family yeah. a lot and stuff like yeah. that. But do you have any local haunts, bars, restaurants, things that you like to check out? No, you don't want to give away your. Uh, secret places but uh, <laughs> I mean I think honestly like uh, we, we like to go to my dad's places uh, you know we live down in, off of Southwest Parkway so we'll go to Jack Allen's and Oak Hill a lot sweet uh, now that Salt Traders is open uh, here near Barton Springs and, and Salt Mopac. Traders is like a seafood seafood yeah, thing. yeah so yeah, we'll, yeah. We, we've already been there three or four times and they just opened a couple That's weeks cool. ago so um other than that, I mean, my wife and I have season tickets to UT football, so awesome. every year we take our son. He's he's four and a half now, and he's been like four or five years every year since oh, since he's, every season since right? he's been yeah. born. He's, he goes to those games. My wife likes to take him to ACL, so we go to ACL That's every cool. year. It's happening uh, right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, you know, just hanging out at home or going to the lake or something. Might try what part to do of town do you live in? Down south. Okay, sweet. Um, but yeah, don't make it out too much. Other than that, I mean, trying to be better about finding a babysitter and taking my wife out a little bit more yeah. often. No, uh, I know how that goes. Though. It usually it's just checking out whatever restaurants new. You know, sweet. Restaurants open every every day. It seems like here, so there's always oh, a new dude, place. Oh, you live to, in like the best city for that new place stuff, to honestly. check out. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, other than that. Um, we, we keep it pretty chill. Um, just try to take advantage of all the time we do have together. And That's awesome, man. It doesn't really matter what we're doing as long yeah. as we're hanging out. Cool. Well, I know you're incredibly busy. It looks like lunch is about to start in 12 minutes. Uh, I really appreciate you having me out here yeah. on the podcast. I think people are really going to enjoy this one. So good talking to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was, this is fun. It's good to re- revisit the old memories. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to Building Something Out of Nothing. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at ed, that's ed6238, at gmail.com. As always, you can visit either one of our locations seven days a week. Our roastery and first location is over at Warehouse 5 at 1333 Buena Vista Street. If you'd like to serve Shotgun House coffee roasters in your restaurant, cafe, or office, shoot us a quick email at orders at shotgunhouseroasters.com or contact me anytime at 254-913-9031. Our intro music is provided by the Delicate Boys from Austin, Texas. You can find this song and their entire album on Spotify. Thanks.